fathers, adoptive fathers, or just men that are father figures to whom we look to for advice or mentoring. We need to take time to be thankful for these men in our lives. But I also acknowledge that for some, this is not a happy time of reflection, but possibly one of dread, loathing, or possible indifference, because the role models that they have had have been imperfect, or distant, controlling, or abusive, or absent for whatever reason. My heart goes out to you in these instances, as this is not the way it is intended to be. But on this very special day, there is one father whom I would like us all to take time to celebrate and give thanks for today, and that is our Heavenly Father. Jesus taught his disciples to pray in Luke 11, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. So that's a straight indication there that we are part of a family. He didn't say, pray my Father. He said, pray our Father. To be a fully functional Christian, we need to be in relationship with the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we became sons and daughters of the living God. Scripture that's coming up now on the screen is John 1, 11 to 13. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him, but to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. And Ephesians 1 verse 5 says, For he foreordained us, and this is out of the Amplified Version, destined us, planned in love for us, to be adopted, revealed as his own children through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his purpose of, uh, and purpose of his will, because it pleased him and was his kind intent. The next scripture coming up on the screen uh, is Romans 8, verses 14 to 15. I can't see that screen. <laughs> For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you've received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. And that is just such a privilege that we can come before him. He is our Abba Father, our loving God. Jesus did the will of the Father and came that we may be reconciled back to the Father. He pointed us towards God. That is why our walk and relationship with the Heavenly Father is so crucial and key to a successful, productive life as a Christian. We are to reflect the love, mercy, and grace of God in our lives to those around us. But we cannot do that effectively without a very real, personal, and intimate relationship with our Heavenly Father. You know, in today's age, people are looking for reality. They're tired of fakes and imitations. They want the real thing. 
They don't want hypocrites or people of double standards, but someone they can trust 100%. And we have that in our Heavenly Father. And people that are struggling, we can point them to our Heavenly Father. Um, we're going to take a time now to look at four characteristics of God. Firstly, our Heavenly Father is relational. Genesis tells us um, that in his image he created us. Genesis 1, 26. Uh, then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. He walked in the Garden of Eden with Adam, uh, yeah, with Adam and Eve. Uh, but there were consequences to Adam and Eve's uh, actions and the sin that came into the world as a result of that. That brought a distancing between the Father and his creation and ended up in them being removed from the Garden of Eden. We read in Genesis 6, 6-8, the Lord was grieved that he had made man on earth and his heart was filled with pain. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And in verse 9, Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. Those scriptures there just show that God is truly relational and it hurts him when things don't work out, when we turn from him. But the moment we are in right relationship with him, it pleases him. And what a privilege to be called a friend of God. God wants to interact with his creation. The Old Testament is full of stories of God reaching out to his people, the nation of Israel, interacting with them through the prophets and leaders of the time. Uh, the exodus from Egypt of the Jews and their subsequent journeys and trials is a prime example of God interacting with his people and his faithfulness despite man's unfaithfulness. Time and time again, we see how wonderful God, how God reached out to his people and they accepted it. But in time, they drew away, brought in other idols. Um, but God is a relational God and he keeps seeking, keeps pursuing. Uh, the next scripture coming up on the screen is Isaiah 41, verses 8, 10, 13, and 14. Or not, maybe. But as for you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, my chosen one, descended from Abraham, my friend, I have called you back from the ends of the earth, saying, You are my servant. For I have chosen you and will not throw you away. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious hand. For I hold you up by your right hand. I, the Lord your God. And I say to you, don't be afraid. I am here to help you. Though you are low, a lowly worm, O Jacob, don't be afraid. People of Israel, for I help you. I am the Lord, your Redeemer. I am the Holy One of Israel. James 2, verse 23, 
says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. Just a wonderful example of God wanting that relationship with us. You know, as fathers, as parents, we want good relationships with our kids. We want openness, we want honesty, and we like it when our kids choose and want to spend time with us. It gives us a really good feeling. Um, For myself, it has been an absolute privilege to be a father, and I wouldn't change it for anything. My relationships with my daughter and son are precious to me and something to be cherished, and I love them with all my heart. And I see this as a picture of my heavenly Father's love for us and the way he intends it to be. But when I dwell on that, I just think, as much as I love my kids, that love is nothing in comparison to what, how God loves me and God loves them. His love is just right up there. <laughs> It is because he is a rational God that he sent Jesus into the world that we might be saved. He doesn't want us to perish. James 3.16 says that. Because God wanted that relationship restored. He wants us to spend eternity with him. A quote from Bill Hybel's book, The Power of Whisper, says, I love that God willingly speaks to us that he cares enough for us, his kids, to whisper the path that he'd have us walk. And that's the relationship that we can have with our Heavenly Father. Secondly, our Heavenly Father is generous and patient. Uh, We're going to look at Luke 15, uh, which is a well-known story of the prodigal son. Uh, The younger son, having requested his inheritance early from his father, and then squandered it on loose living and parting it up. So in Luke 15, verse 20 to 24. So he returned home. Oh, it is coming up. Great. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet, and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. What strikes me from that scripture is just how the father saw his son away off. His father was watching, waiting. The father allowed his son to take that inheritance. And as parents... We've got to do that. As our kids get older, that's our responsibility. We have to take that step back and let them go on their own and sometimes make mistakes and learn to zip it (laughs) Um, and be careful of the opinions that we give out as they uh, move into adulthood. 
but it's difficult. And we never stop loving, we never stop caring, we never stop worrying about our kids. And that is the picture of the father here. And he saw his son way off and ran to his son. The father allowed the son to have his inheritance, trusting he would use it wisely, but he didn't. The father did not turn his back on his son and disown him. The son's actions may have made the father sad, but he still loved him. And this is a picture, as I say, of our Heavenly Father's love for us, longing, watching, waiting for us to return, be born again, receive the Holy Spirit, and be included in his family. In Luke fifteen seventeen, it says uh, of the son, when he came to his senses, the son realized his mistake and chose to return to his father. There's nothing we can do that will cause us to have the Father turn away from us. He's waiting for us to turn back to him. That is his love, his immense love. The picture on, of that uh, scripture with the prodigal son and the Father's love, putting that robe on him that covered his filth and the dirt from living with pigs and feeding pigs. That robe of righteousness which we have through Christ Jesus. The ring of authority, which was really important in those days, to identify him as his son. And we have that authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And the sandals, in those days, the servants, I believe, were barefooted. They didn't have shoes. But as a son, you showed your feet, you had sandals, and the Father gave them sandals. And our Heavenly Father does that too. We have the gospel of truth in our lives. And it's just such a wonderful picture of how generous our God is. The third point to look at, and maybe the harder point, <laughs> is our Heavenly Father disciplines us. God is a holy God and cannot entertain sin in any way shape or form. Sin must be punished and has consequences. However, we do not need to be scared of his discipline. And we will now look at Hebrews 12 verses 5 through to 11. And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by his father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and are not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the Father of our spirits and live forever? 
for our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best that they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us, so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. But afterwards, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in his way. Those of us who are parents know only too well the importance of disciplining and training a child in the way they should follow. Uh, What behavior is acceptable, what food is good, what food is not good, how to speak and interact with others, how to share, how to speak and be polite. Those are all things as parents that we have to instill in our children. It's amazing. Kids don't need to be taught to be naughty. (laughs) It just comes. Uh, And you experience that the first time they get together with friends and their toys, and another child takes their toy. Oh, my goodness. And that's where the training comes in. And it's the same with our Heavenly Father. Uh, He needs to train us. We should want him to train us, because then that proves that we are his child and that we're not illegitimate. Um, Some children's behavior and character traits reflect the kind of parenting uh, they have received and reveals what their parents are like. We need to ensure that what our lives are reflecting as Christians is a positive reflection of our Heavenly Father's love and character, and that will only be achieved by spending time in His presence and allowing Him to mold us and shape us into who he has made us to be. Uh, And when I was praying about uh, what to share this morning, this is the area that I felt strongly that we need to uh, look in. And there may be someone that is challenged uh, in this area. Uh, And I would just encourage you to be open to the Spirit of God and to trust Father God to take you along this path, even though it may be difficult. And it may be tough. It's necessary. We need to walk in forgiveness. Just as we need to acknowledge our weaknesses and failings, we also need to repent and seek forgiveness. Following on from the teaching of the Lord's Prayer, uh, we read in verse 14 of Matthew 6, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Tough. If our upbringing wasn't ideal, then we need to forgive our parents. They are sinners just like you and me and are not perfect. God loves you too much to let you stay in your pain and resentment. It needs to be released to him. As we've just read, if we won't forgive, then we cannot be forgiven. If you thought God was the same as your earthly father and therefore didn't want to seek a relationship with him, Now is the time to ask forgiveness and draw near to him 
and allow him to draw near to you. We need to take that step of faith. If there is anything in our lives that has challenged the way we look at our Heavenly Father because of the earthly role that we've had, may I encourage you to forgive those responsible. It's not letting them off the hook. It's dealing with what needs to be done in our heart, in our lives, to put our relationship right with the Heavenly Father. So I can only really encourage you, if there is any issues whatsoever that the Holy Spirit is just prompting you now, please have the courage uh, as we sing the closing song, come up for ministry, ask God to help you forgive. Don't try it on your own (laughs) because you'll fail because there's that part of us that just does not want to forgive. They don't deserve it. They're mean. Look what they did to me. But this is a very necessary step if we're to go on in our walk with our Heavenly Father. And we're to trust Him explicitly. And I I just really felt a burden uh, on that area. So I don't know who it's applicable to, anyone here or anyone watching online, but I would encourage you Please don't let your view of the Heavenly Father be affected by a bad experience you've had as a child because of an imperfect adult that was in charge. Fourthly, our Heavenly Father is loving and faithful. 1 John 1, verse 8 and 9 says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. The next scripture coming up is Psalm 103, verses 10 to 13. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For, he is, for his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins far from us as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. We have a loving heavenly father. Psalm 91 verses 1 and 2 says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. I just want to read a quote out of Colin Urquhart's book, uh, My Dear Child. And it's uh, entitled, I Give My Life. My dear child, no matter how much you have received from me, I still have so much more to give. I am bursting with life, longing to give. Isn't it sad that so many worship me but don't believe I want to give them anything? Yet it blesses me to give. 
I live to give myself to my children. So I delight when you turn to, to me to receive, when you are prepared to stop your busy schedule, sit down with me and receive from me. It delights me. This is what I want, to give and to give and to give to you. Some people criticize those who want to receive constantly from me. The critics are usually the busy ones, rushing around in a fever of activity. But I am wise. I know that the more I give my children of my abundant life, the more that life will flow through them to others. Yes, my child, this is why I want you to receive from me. Don't be content to receive only occasionally, and then try and keep going for a long time in the good of that blessing. I want to give to you daily, several times a day, in whatever way is needed. I am generous by nature. You don't have to persuade me to give. Isn't that amazing? Really encouraging. You know, as parents, we never stop loving our kids. The relationship changes and matures because it has to. Uh, but the love remains the one constant. Children need to know that their father loves them and they can always turn to him in times of both need and rejoicing. We want to share our lives with them and have them share their lives with us. And as I say, that is a picture of our Heavenly Father. How much time do we give to sit in his presence? How often do we seek our Heavenly Father? As it says, certainly in this day and age with mobile phones and the technology, we're never switched off. <laughs> and we need to take those opportunities and to switch off, to come aside, to wait on our Heavenly Father, to allow Him to minister to us. It's very difficult. It's not impossible for God, but it's very difficult to him to minister whilst we're rushing around, whilst we're busy, whilst there's all kinds of noise and distractions around us. The discipline on our part is to be still and know that he is God. Floyd McClung has written a book, The Father Heart of God, and I'll just read an excerpt from that. Despite all that the Bible teaches about God as loving and just, there was a time in my life when I respected him, but did not love him. I even feared him because of his awesome power, but I did not love him for his goodness. It is when I looked beyond my ideas about God, beyond my desire to argue and discuss, and ask God to reveal to me how he saw my selfishness, that I began to experience a deeper relationship with him. God is waiting, is a waiting, loving father, and so much more. As we spend time with him, we will discover fresh insights into his character and new depths into our relationship with him. And I just want to end off now with, uh, I mentioned Bill Hybels and his book, uh, The Power of Whispers. And just another quote from him. He is all-powerful, yes. He is righteous and holy, too. 
He is sovereign. He is majestic. He is magnificent. He is just. And he's now referring to Elijah on the Mount Horeb. But what stunned Elijah on the side of Mount Horeb, and what will stun you someday if it hasn't already, is that the same God who is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-everything, yearns to be in relationship with us. The God of the Scriptures is irrepressibly communal, hopelessly familial, and his whispers are still ours to hear. Thank you. Amen, amen, amen. Beautiful Heavenly Father. We're going to close our service in a moment, but I just want to give us an opportunity just for a moment, just bow our heads.